There are two words in modern-day language that horrify, induce panic, terrorize, petrify, and scare you to death. <laughs> Those two words are... Cryptocurrency. Um, but that's just ridiculous. Welcome to Tales from the Cryptocurrency. It's not that scary, it's not that difficult, and it's not intimidating. We'll prove it. We'll have fun along the way. This is Tales from the Cryptocurrency. And now your host, Tony Casanova. Hey, what's going on, all you crypto savages? Welcome to Tales from the Cryptocurrency, where I attempt to demystify cryptocurrency and take the horror out of Bitcoin and other altcoins. All right, guys, so the weekend basically played out pretty much as we expected it to. Um, Bitcoin moved down to that 22,800 mark that we called for last week. Um, and today, uh, uh, Monday, Monday, today is Monday the 27th of uh february we are looking at bitcoin basically it's dumping all right so that's what's going on right now uh earlier in the day we saw it uh start to take off for a little bit but i knew that was a false move that's like we didn't come out and say anything about it or anything of the sort because the expected move for today is for bitcoin to dump and get down to that 22,800 mark okay now uh throughout the pro the process here we've purchased at a couple of different points and today's monday so you should have some dollar cost cost average money uh, to put in there. So uh, what we're going to look for is we're going to look for a lower low. We're going to look for 22,800. Um, and then if it sustains that, okay, it could get even worse. If it sustains that, it can get down to 21,888, which is what I'm currently seeing. Had I called that as the bottom uh, last week. Okay, so why do we purchase? Like, if 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 we know that the bottom is 21,888, then why do we purchase like in these stairs? Like, why do we purchase like at you know, for example, at uh, at 20 at 22, uh, eight, you know, I said, that's a springboard. 23, eight is a springboard. And now 21, eight is the bottom. So every time that we do that though, what it is, it's, a, it's a thousand dollar move down. Okay. And the reason that you do that is because, well, you're protecting yourself against the evident, which is that the market can go the other way. We know that the marked move on the other side is 28,000 because that's what all the indicators are showing. The analytics, the indicators, the market volume, market pressure, momentum measured. If you measure all of that stuff, it says that Bitcoin's going to hit 28,000 very, very soon. So we know that the measured move is from 21,888 all the way to all the way to 28,000. So why do we purchase like when it was at 24, you know, and we know that it's going to go and, and especially after I've called it and I say, listen, it's going to go at, at 23,666. I said, listen, we're going to look at 22,800. So why didn't we wait for 22,800 just to go ahead and get in then, right? Save our money and get in then. Well, because the reason being is, is that that's not guaranteed. That's a measured move. That's what's playing out is what's been predicted to the downside. We also have predictions to the upside. Okay. And the range that's in between that is where we're caught. So what we try to do is in case the market breaks out, then you would have to wait. You'd have to wait until 28,000. And then at 28,000, you'd realize, oh, shit, the market's going to go to 30,000. And then you're going to get in. And then it's going to possibly go to 30,000. And then it's going to turn around and go the other way, right? So what we want to do is on the way down... We always want to be protected against the way up because the way up is the money that we can actually lose once you know the top, right? So, so 
if you're at a point, if you're at 22,000 and you know it's going to go to 21,000, okay, and you have some money, you could either wait to 21,000, but what if right then and there some good news happens about cryptocurrency or whatever, and the market decides that it's going to take off? Well, you missed the move. You missed it. So the strategy is to buy dip, and then you'll hear people say you buy the dip, and then you buy some more dip. That's what you do. And then you buy some more dip. Uh, that's what you keep doing is you buy the dip at measured moves on the way out. And then when it turns around and starts heading in the other direction, then you start to capitalize on your caches of profit. Hey, at 22, I'm going to make money. With The minute we hit 22, boom, I have a set of trades that gets profitable. Now, if we hit 23, I have a set of trades that's going to get profitable and it's going to drag my first trades with it. And then if it hits 24, I have trades at 24 that are going to become profitable and I'm dragging two other sets of trades with it. And then by the time that you get up to 28, okay, you made money all along. And then if you happen to miss that turnaround at 28, at 28, all of a sudden it's like down to 26, well, then you got out. You got out in that time. And now you're sitting in USDT. And what are you going to do? You're going to make your first purchase when you get like that 1000 or $1,200 move in Bitcoin going to the negative, assuming that you know that there's going to be an upside play again. And how do you know that it's going to be an upside play? Well... As of right now, we know it's not the end of Bitcoin. So, and if it's not the end of Bitcoin, 22,000 is pretty close to the bottom of Bitcoin if you really think about what it's exponentially worth. So, I don't want to hear from people that are like, you know, like, like when Bitcoin got to $60,000, everybody was like, oh, at 20,000, if I had only bought it at 20,000, okay. And then what? At 24000 it's no good? It's a stupid price? No, man. It's still a good price. You're just buying in. And the altcoins that are getting dragged in because we're in altcoin portfolios, all of the altcoins that we're in get dragged either up or down by Bitcoin. What the altcoins do, if you don't understand why we're in a bunch of different altcoins, what the altcoins do is that they diversify us and they give us the opportunity to make money on coins that are going to be a penny, that are going to move up when Bitcoin goes up. So you could buy a lot of that coin. Maybe it doesn't go up as much. Maybe it goes up half as much. But the fact that you bought it for a penny kind of plays out into the fact that, okay, you make some decent money on it. And then maybe there was something else like Elrond that you bought at 50 bucks. Well, well, we know the 50 bucks. The measured move right now to Elrond is, I already said it a bunch of times, $60. We're going to see $60 Elrond in the next few weeks. So if it's there, then might as well buy it. Okay, but hey, it's 47 bucks. So maybe you can just buy one. And there, the profit isn't as much, but it's pretty much measured and, you know, it's, it's going to get there. So, I mean, you just have to kind of play along with what the market does and you have to have a strategy so that when you get into the market, you can capitalize on the move, you know, all the way up. And then once you do get to the move up, then the, the big thing is, is to get out, is to get out before it turns back around and starts going the other way. So, so you're always going to be trading, going up and going down. You're going to be trading. You're going to be getting out into USDT. And then you're going to be getting back in at different points. Or you'll be getting into different coins, okay, different coins. This week, by the way, somebody had like a really, uh, somebody had a really good question. They were like, hey, man, if I've got like some Bitcoin sitting in my wallet and all of a sudden I, and it's in my, in my self custodial wallet, right? So you have it uh, somewhere in your safety deposit box. You've got a Bitcoin. And you're like, you know what? I want to take that Bitcoin now. What I want to do is I want to trade it because it's worth a lot or whatever. I want to trade it for Ethereum so that I could stake the Ethereum. What's the best way to do that? Is the best way to send it to Coinbase, you know, and then like take it and trade it in there, convert it in Coinbase and then send it, you know, back to your wallet. 
that's one way to do it. I, I don't think that's the best way to do it. But uh, if I were to say what's probably the best way to do it when you're going from uh, non-custodial, like from a, a, a custo- self-custodial wallet, uh, is to not send it ever to a decentralized exchange again. Okay, uh, or I, I'm sorry, is to never send it to a centralized exchange again. So, like, once you have your money off chain, um, and it's Bitcoin that's sitting in your in your in your safety deposit box in your wallet, laminated on a piece of paper, whatever it is, how in your tracer or whatever, uh, wherever you have that Bitcoin. Okay, if you ever want to trade it for Ethereum, you don't want to send it back to a centralized exchange. Reason being is because uh, there's all that KYC going through it again. So now they're going to know that you just sent a bunch of money in. It's going to be uh, possibly taxable uh, coming in because it could be considered an entry point move again by your by your centralized exchange. And then if you send it to something like PancakeSwap or something like that, um, you know, you don't want to risk it sitting in a decentralized exchange. So there's another way to do it. And that way is making an instant exchange. A what? A what? An instant exchange. That's right. And we're going to talk about that right now. I'm going to drop some knowledge on you today a little bit. Uh, here, I got to take a sip of something, guys. Give me a quick second here. All right. Sorry about that. Um, anyways, uh, we're going to talk today a little bit about Fixed Float. Fixed Float is a site that I recommend that you go and check out. It's fixedfloat.com. Um, and I use it. It's a service that is, uh, that is out there that basically, without getting too much into your business, actually, they don't get into your business at all because there's no KYC on it. So you can just send them like Bitcoin. You send them some Bitcoin and you tell them that you want to trade it for Ethereum and they have a flat fee, which is 1% if you want to do a fixed, uh, a fixed float. Um, which means that you'll pay 1% of like whatever the gas fee is for that transaction. Okay. Or, uh, you will pay a, 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 uh, a variable fee, which is half a percent. And that's, uh, known as a float rate by them. And what they do with that is that as the transaction verifies, uh, by the time that the fourth verification of the transaction uh, goes through, then they just charge you whatever a uh, half a percent of that rate is. So it could go up or it could go down. Depending if you want to get exactly the money that you're sending on the screen, uh, then you can do that fixed, that fixed rate. They also charge you a couple of, uh, of hidden fees in there, by the way, as well. They're not hidden because they tell you what they are, but Number one, there's a minor fee, which is for verification. Uh, and then there's also uh, another fee, which is a consolidation fee, which is if you're trading, for example, something cross-chain like Bitcoin to Ethereum or something of the sort, they collect it first, they consolidate it, make sure that it's there, verify it. And then after that, then they send it along its way into your wallet. But it's an awesome, awesome service to use uh, if you're using MetaMask Wallet or something of the sort, you can just kind of send uh, from your wallet address, you send it to uh, whatever you want to trade, your Bitcoin or your Ethereum, you could send it right to fix float. Once you uh, put that amount in there, they will send you a wallet address. And then uh, so you'll tell them, hey, I want to convert uh, $200 in Bitcoin to Ethereum. And then uh, you'll put that that amount into the send field of their of their interface and then once you've sent put that into their interface you tell them what you want to receive in exchange so you'll be like i'm going to send you bitcoin i am going to receive ethereum uh then you'll pick your rate whether you want that fixed rate or that float rate that i i told you about and then uh right after that then uh you will click exchange and once you click exchange, then they send you a wallet address and you send a $200 in Bitcoin to that wallet address and you give them the wallet address where you want your Ethereum to go to and it happens like magic. 
It generally takes about 30 minutes, so you can't freak out uh, because it has to go through all the steps of verification on the chain. But it does happen, and I've used it, and I've used it several times, and million people use it, uh, or I should say uh, millions of people use it. So it's a good service to get to know. Kind of like super advanced cryptocurrency stuff uh, once you get into you know fixed float and its, its purposes and uses. Now, you can imagine that because of the fact that they don't uh, have any verification, uh, something that could be done if you wanted to, allegedly, is, for example, uh, you can set up a completely anonymous MetaMask wallet, all right? So you can set up a wallet uh, that you... Let's say you even went as far as going to a friend's house one day and borrowing their computer and saying, hey, man, can I go on the Ethereum website over here uh, or whatever on the MetaMask website and just uh, copy down uh, some information? And they tell you, yeah. So you use like a computer that's completely not connected to you whatsoever at all. And you set up a MetaMask wallet. You get your seed phrase. You get your wallet address. Uh, you get yourself all set up good. You take those numbers. You write them down in a secret spot. And that's that. Now, so far to set up a MetaMask wallet, right? You don't have to have your driver's license. You don't have to have anything. There's You don't have to have like any kind of information to set up a MetaMask wallet. Okay, so you just did that. All right. And now, and now you can go to your Coinbase account. OK, and you can just take uh, some Coinbase uh, Bitcoin that you have that you put your good old driver's license in, in there and and whatever. And uh, what you do is that you send it from your Coinbase, you send it to fixed float. And when you send it to fixed float, they just give you a wallet address, but they don't take any of your information whatsoever. So you say, hey. Uh, fix float, I'm going to send you some Bitcoin. And then you send them Bitcoin and you then put in that, that super secret wallet address that you have in the fixed float uh, send to for Ethereum. And then they swap it. And when they send it back to Ethereum, to they send you, you sent them Bitcoin and they sent you back Ethereum to your super secret wallet. Well, they didn't keep track of your transaction. So, uh, and they didn't see who sent them what or whatever or this or that. All they know is that a wallet address sent in X amount and that money went out to another wallet address. So that's all that happened. So now you have funds that aren't tied to you at all whatsoever. Those funds aren't tied to you in that other MetaMask wallet. They're not tied to you. And you now have Ethereum over there, not Bitcoin, which is what you sent out of your Coinbase account. But there's some Ethereum sitting in that MetaMask wallet uh, that that is completely, you know, just untied. You have access to it, but it's not tied to you in, in any way. If you really sent that from there to another wallet, like another, you, you, I mean, because you could set up as many MetaMask wallets as you want, right? So, I mean, you could just send it from that MetaMask wallet. You send it to another MetaMask wallet right then and there and uh, and tear up the old one where where Fixed Float, you know, came from or whatever. And now Fixed Float doesn't have uh, that other wallet address, you know, and I guess if you really got bored, you could start following back. But once you got the fixed float, since they didn't keep, uh, they, they didn't keep a log of your transaction anyways, then it's kind of gone. So anyways, just a little bit of information there on, uh, on basically how, uh, anonymity, you know, works, uh, with cryptocurrency. And then once you have like that cryptocurrency over there, you could exchange it again for like another, I mean, you could take it right from there and send it back to fit to fixed float. And if you do that a couple of times, there's absolutely no way that anybody could find where that cryptocurrency came from or where it went to. It just becomes lost. It's like cryptocurrency that's out there and you just happen to know where it's at and you are the custodian of it at all at all times. So 
Anyways, check it out. Uh, again, it's fixedfloat.com. I don't have any kind of affiliation with them or whatsoever. Like, I'm not on their affiliates program. I, they don't send me anything. This isn't an ad. They didn't pay me to do it or whatever. I'm just telling you, I use it. Um, and I use it when I want to have funds that are available to me that I completely want, like, non, non, like, I just want, I just want to have funds that I, have access to that nobody you know knows about or whatever that are just out there that are completely my funds in case there's an emergency an apocalypse or anything of the sort i know the seed phrase i can access them and you know regardless of whether the the uh the government comes in and some kind of of hostile government from an invading army or whatever you want to talk about it doesn't matter man it doesn't matter because anywhere you go to world you have access to your ethereum and that is a great feeling as far as i'm concerned it's almost as great a feeling as being armed or ready for for a, an emergency in any way whether you store food or hoard water or ammunition or guns or whatever like the thing is that you think makes you safe during that time my thing is having access to some cryptocurrency because i think that eventually if the if things do get bad well, you can always trade your cryptocurrencies for stuff, and maybe you can get gear and food and stuff like that while uh, a new stable, you know, economy starts to take place and that kind of thing. So that's something really to think about, especially in these days. I mean, everybody has different reasons why they get into cryptocurrency. I really don't get into cryptocurrency as much like for the security, I, I, even though I understand the security aspect of it because, like, you know, well, that's my background in, in computer. I mean, I'm into cybersecurity and all that kind of stuff. So I like the security, the anonymity, the 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 ledger that's you know immutable and and all of that can infallible in like a lot of ways. I mean, it's it's I like all of all of that kind of stuff, and I get it, I understand it, and it's good. But for me, cryptocurrency and learning all the like the is. It's more about the future, man. I mean, cryptocurrencies are really, it is the future and the projects that are working. Think about the projects that you guys know about just because we've talked about them here on the on the podcast. You know, these are like AI projects and stuff like that. that no, nobody in the normal world knows about any of these things that we're talking about. Nobody in the world knows about Fetch AI and Ocean Protocol and all of that kind of stuff, man. You know, it's stuff that we're learning and it's really the future. So I get into cryptocurrencies and every that's in the space and all that kind of stuff not only because i'm like a programmer or whatever and i'd get into it but ultimately i like nerding out on it because it's 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 really the way that the world is going to go and operate and and function in the future the groundwork for that is being laid out now so just like the internet was being laid out back in the day you know when people were like they didn't understand message boards and they were like what what you put a you put a message on someplace and people from all over the world read it an answer on it and and th that was a completely insane concept and now well you now you direct message with people all over the world and it doesn't matter you belong to groups with them and i belong on slack groups with people that are in india that i work and code with all the time I've never seen them in person other than like their profile picture. I assume that's what they look like. My profile picture is like a dude in like a gray hood. So they probably just think that's what I look like. But, you know, we work together. We literally work together. And not only that, but I know that like some of them have kids and, you know, they some of them know about my kids because as you're working and programming and stuff and you're on Slack or one of those one of those uh, one of those social media platforms and you're you're waiting for stuff to happen, you go back and forth. You know, what do you like to do? You like to play cricket or whatever. You answer questions. Boom. And before you know, you're in a conversation with somebody on the other side of the world, you know, which which is very common now think about like zoom and all that stuff that like we do right well a long time ago this was unheard of well now we're at the point with blockchain where it's like the unheard of stuff like this is the bbs boards of like the the day past and you know game this is the games like pong and stuff like that on the blockchain you know but all that stuff is going to evolve very quickly into the future so and we're involved in it right now. And so and if we're working on on the future and the future is evolving, then you can bet that like in the eventually we're going to capitalize on the future. So 
That's what we're hedging our bets on, and and that's why we're that's at least why I'm involved in the cryptocurrency space. I'm involved in it to see the future unroll itself before my very eyes. Now, in there, yeah, I plan on making money and all kinds of things or whatever. Uh, but you know, I mean, it's it's everybody has like why they get into into the space, and everybody gets into the space for for different reasons. If you're here only to capitalize on cryptocurrency or whatever, or this or that, you know. Well, you probably have something to learn about the space because the space is basically about projects and what you're into and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And and cryptocurrencies are going to be part of that, you know, but it's not like Wall Street where it's just like, hey, you buy into this cryptocurrency. And as the cryptocurrency grows, you know, it'll it'll be a big thing. Well, Bitcoin is kind of like that. Ethereum is kind of like that. But the other ones. You know, the other ones you're buying into a lifestyle, a community, a, a, a something is what you're buying into. And, and, you're, and you're betting that that eventually is going to become super profitable for one reason or another. And that some of those profits are going to be funneled back to the holders of that cryptocurrency, which is like, you know, the meta hedge concept. It's like as the company grows, the company makes money. And as the company makes money, it, you know, injects liquidity. And as it injects more and more liquidity into the things, well, then, you know, the company he makes money and i mean that's what we talk about when we do like the meta hedge stuff and stuff like that so so a lot of these projects that you get into you have to know you know what are they going to do and what's like the end what's the end game you know that's why it makes no sense to buy coins like you know dogecoin it's like okay what's the end game you know is it going to be what's it going to be used for it's not going to be used for anything. It's just where people buy it and sell it. We buy it and sell it. We buy it and sell it. Okay. All right. That's great. Well, a lot of times you're going to get, get caught in the wrong end of that. You know, uh, it, it can, if Elon Musk says something like, well, we're only going to accept payments for Tesla's in Dogecoin. Okay. All right. Now we're talking about something, you know, that, now that could be something. Only for a little while, because eventually at the rate at which Doge is created, you know, then the prices of Teslas would be devalued unless they came up with like a crazy burn, you know, burn rate for them. But even like that, even having something like that wouldn't be like the the solution, you know, to the tokenomics on Dogecoin. So uh, ultimately, you need to find companies and you need to find projects that you get involved in that are going to be like, hey... It almost becomes like a dividend paying thing. If it's like, hey, this company is doing this and they're injecting liquidity or liquidity is being created in this form or that form or scarcity is being you know, created because they already have tons of liquidity. Those are the things that make good cryptocurrency projects, which is what our portfolio is comprised of companies like that, companies that are going to scale, that are going to do things that are eventually going to... Uh, you know, have cryptocurrencies that are that are worth uh, lots of money for use case scenario within within the platforms, and and our portfolio is prime for that. But a lot of it has to do with whatever Bitcoin is going to do. So you're always at the discretion of whether Bitcoin goes up or down, because Bitcoin, unfortunately, is like the the big thing in the market that holds, you know, uh, it's the big glue that holds everything together. It's the confidence of the market, which like right now, you know, I talk about like that fear and greed index, right? The better hedge fear and greed, fear and greed index. And like right now, it's at an exact 50, which means that the market doesn't know which way it's going to go. So bad news for Bitcoin could uh, dump the entire market. So, I mean, good news could get the entire thing going crazy. So that's why we hedge it as we hedge it, right? We get in slowly. We get in slowly. You get in you get in and then as the market turns and goes in your favor then you're already set you have little caches of money boom i'm going to collect this boom i'm going to collect this this can go profitable i'm getting out here i'm going there i'm going to ride this and now you start to make those decisions as the market goes and gets in because you already made the good decisions when everybody was scared when everybody was scared and everybody was like oh no no i'm going to wait or whatever you were like no i'm going to get in now boom i'm going to get in now i'm going to get in now i'm going to get in now boom the market turned one day while you were sleeping at three o'clock in the morning and it took off and you woke up and you know bitcoins at 27 five 
That's a real case scenario, man. That that will happen like exactly like that, you know, before you even know. If Bitcoin's at 27,000 and you're like, oh, crap, what happened? And then you look at your altcoin portfolio and it's through the roof, you know? Okay, time to start cashing out some of that into USDT before it goes, you know, before it goes the other way. Speaking of like bad news, by the way, before we go, because I know we're getting to that 30-minute mark. Uh, this, this weekend, um, if you didn't know it, one of the biggest sell-offs in NFTs ever happened this weekend. It's actually not one of the biggest, the biggest, the largest NFT sell-off of all time happened over the weekend. And there was absolutely nowhere to hide for people that had NFTs. I mean, even like the top collections like Board Ape Yacht Club, uh, Azuki, all of them, all of those saw prices go in the toilet. Uh, and it all started when like Jeffrey Huang, uh, who's known as Machi Big Brother, if you guys don't know who that is, it's a super well-known crypto whale. He sold off thousands of NFTs. And this is something that's cool, okay, because it's going to lead me into the next thing that I'm going to talk to uh, right now. Reason being is, uh, and you know, he sold off thousands of these NFTs because it's just basically time to get the money on them, man. You know, that's, that's what it is. And right now, there's like all kinds of FUD, which is fear, uncertainty, uncertainty, and doubt. Like it's just going through the entire NFT industry. Everybody in NFTs is like, oh, NFTs aren't worth crap, and this and that, and all kinds of stuff, and this is why. And then like the market, the entire market fell by like 10% on Saturday night, and I was watching it as it was going on, and it was just like full-blown panic if you were like into it and like seeing what was going on on twitter and all that kind of stuff people were like what the hell is going on the prices of all the nfts are dropping everything's dropping and it's crazier this or that let me tell you what's going on guys what's going on is that nft technology is something fantastic okay but right now right now if you look around the entire world the world is on fire right now okay the entire world is on fire and the world is crashing so if you're running around with the world in that condition and you're like hey who wants to buy a monkey picture listen nobody wants your fucking monkey picture man nobody wants your picture of your ape nobody wants nothing like that they don't want to be a part of your collection you know we've all been that route nfts now are going to get to the point where if they don't have a use case scenario okay for that nft if it's not actual if it, if it doesn't actually have like if it's not just a store of value which is like what a lot of like these are okay you buy them they're worth a certain amount of ethereum as you know the the price of ethereum goes up the price of the nft goes up if you're holding a lot of them that's good you know if you paid a lot in an nft it's a great way to consolidate it's like one little picture that holds you know a lot of cryptocurrency Maybe it has some small use case scenario. It makes you a VIP in something or something of the sort uh, along with it, you know. But that's not the use case scenarios that we're talking about. We're talking about identification, all right? We're talking about uh, uh, rewards and charitable giving and stuff like that. These things are going to be great uses for NFTs in the future. Verifications of, of items, albums music, intellectual property, all of these things verified by NFTs is definitely a way to go. Real world verifications for digital items, all of like these things. Yes, real world ways of NFTs. And now we're getting to the point of it. But in the beginning, when people were like, man, I can make a thing that looks like a post-it stamp and people will just buy it because they'll call it art. Those days are coming to an end. All right. And they're coming to a complete end. That's like what's happening now. So nobody's going to give a crap about how much, you know, uh, you could you could just hold that much Ethereum. You don't have to have a monkey picture. And it's really not that cool if you really think about it, you know, to, to display or whatever, or this or that. And if it makes you a part of a community, that's cool. But if you own the same Snoop Dogg, you know, um, board API club, you know, and you're in there with Snoop Dogg or whatever, this or that, and he never talks to you, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. That's what a lot of people thought. A lot of people bought these things as entrances to collections to get into influencers and access to them and all of that kind of stuff. And what basically happens is that along the way, you realize, hey, I'm not getting out of the community what I thought I was going to get. And when that happens, well, boredom sets in. 
you know, and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm going to come back in a little bit. And when I talk about the meta hedge portion today, I'm going to cover only legends. I'm going to cover that. And I'm going to talk about the use case scenario of NFTs in that space. And then you'll see how that greatly differs from some monkey pictures, you know, or some camel pictures or whatever. When I tell you what we're doing with only legends, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. This is definitely going to be the NFT project of 2024. And we're going to cover it in detail as soon as I get back. This is Tales from the Cryptocurrency. And now we switch it up. From prices and news to altcoins from the crypt. And what's new at MetaHedge. All right, and we are back from outer space. All right, all right, guys. Um, first of all, uh, on the Meta Hedge front, thank you to everybody that voted. We had an overwhelmingly positive uh, response to our question. Our question was, are you happy with the direction in which Meta Hedge is going? And all of you voted yes, so thank you very much. That also, more importantly than stroking our ego, uh, gave us the opportunity to test our um, our consensus protocol for uh, voting in the future. So, um, if you have not yet tested your vote, go and drop a meta token, uh, the, the one with the dollar sign, that is your governance token partners. Uh, so this is specifically for partners only. Uh, you have to be a partner. You have to have the original token, which is the META dollar sign token. If you just have the META token, uh, then don't go vote because uh, you're voting, uh, you're just wasting your tokens because that's not what they're for. So you'll just be burning a token. This specific wallet only accepts metas and um, if you do that, uh, go ahead and drop one in there. If if you do drop a token in there, then for your trouble, we have been sending you back 100, 100 meta tokens uh, we sent you back. Okay, so uh, so that's a pretty fair exchange. You get one governance token exchanges to 100 meta tokens uh, just for casting your vote. And you can vote, cast a negative vote. I mean, if you cast a negative vote, it doesn't really matter. I mean, uh, we have to test that side too, I I guess. Uh, if not, we'll test it. Uh, but the main thing is we're just, just trying to use the governance protocol right now. And that's a voting mechanism and it's on the blockchain. And uh, if you vote with your token, then eventually when we ask real questions... Um, like, should we pay for this uh, attorney to do this thing? Or uh, we have to pay for X license uh, to do such and such. Uh, as we pay for those things or put those things up for vote, then you guys as partners will be able to vote on uh, what we do, how we get the funds for that, and all of that other kind of stuff, okay? Whether we do round two funding or use the funding that we have uh, or everybody sends us back metas or whatever. I mean, like eventually there'll be many things as you go to an ICO, believe it, uh, we have a long list of things that will require partners to, to vote on. So that's why it's very, very important that we get this governance protocol uh, under wraps and in place so that, so that we can just move forward, man, with like other stuff already too. So it's been hard, harder than I specifically thought to get people uh, to transfer over uh, to Phantom Wallet, not because people are against transferring over to Phantom Wallet or anything of the sort. Um, I just don't think that as a whole people keep up, and this is something that's true in the cryptocurrency space, I guess, but people just buy stuff and then they forget about it or whatever, you know? Um, so we're kind of like looking, I mean, we, we, we're building a community, and as you build a community, then people come back and check on things back and forth. That's why I get so fervently when I speak to some of you, and I'm like, listen, man, you have to be involved in what we're doing. This is like a company that's like we're in the, in, in like the very beginning 
planning stages and we're getting close to like launching i mean to launching so it's like this is time for the partners to be paying attention to like what's going on and you don't have to do a whole lot of stuff but other than like really the voting there's there's no move uh that has to be done and the fact that we had to move everybody over to phantom uh the phantom wallet not so much because our coin or whatever or this or that but just because uh slope wallet is a security disaster right now they've stopped patching and stopped updating it we can't we can't do it because the coin's about to be worth money so we can't be over there so we moved to a project that's being maintained and and etc while we at meta hedge develop our own wallet and then when we develop our own wallet we'll never ever have to switch to another wallet again or anything like that because we're not at the at the disposal of other wallet entities right so like right now MetaHedge has a project and we develop things. I mean, part of like our project was we developed a token, we developed platforms, we've developed like other things that go along with our project, along with our white paper, you know, that says that we do certain things. So uh, we've stayed true to that. And one of the things that we'll eventually have to do is we'll have to develop our own wallet. And we're in the process of doing that. Uh, it's actually already been done. The MetaHedge wallet does exist. I have it. Um, but right now it's being tested. So until it's uh, thoroughly tested and security proof, uh, then, you know, we can't release it to all of you guys. But it'll be something that you'll just get. Everybody that holds meta will get it. And then you'll be able to load your token onto there. And then you'll never have to switch it to another thing whatsoever. And it'll interact with Solana. And at this point, the way that it's looking, which was along with our white paper and et cetera, is not only just Solana, but eventually you'll be able to switch our token around for any cryptocurrency, including Bitcoin and Ethereum, because we're cross-bridged now too as well, which is something that I talked about on a podcast a long, long time ago, and nobody understood what I was talking about. But uh, basically, that's what it is. Cross-bridging is like using one coin across many, many networks, which is the whole theory behind, you know, meta being like one coin for every metaverse was that we could establish those bridges and, well, all that stuff's kind of already been done. And now we're in the process of doing that. It's real cool when, like, I think about, like, stuff that, like, we talked about, like, a, you know, like a year ago and we were like, yeah, well, someday they'll be like this. And it was just an idea. And, like, now it's actually like a piece of code that sits here on my computer that I can take a look at or that's being executed on the cloud somewhere. It's very, very interesting uh, as a developer to see those things uh, come up and and work the way that they that they do. You know, and speaking of like projects that that we've developed, uh, if you're into the Meta Search project, which scales and works with everything else that we're doing as well, uh, including um, you know like the bot work that's going on now with the cryptocurrency bots and etc. Uh, if you're keeping up with the Meta Search project, uh, then one of the things that you'll want to know is that the war with DuckDuckGo is uh, probably coming to an end. It looks like it's coming to an end. It looks like we might have some resolution on that. And we think that the resolution that's going to be is that I am going to turn it off from the get-go and uh, it won't be part of like the initial search results. But then anybody that has the meta search engine, you could just flip that little switch to DuckDuckGo. You could switch it on. And then as you switch it on, then... Uh, you'll be able to get the DuckDuckGo results. So I just won't be able to include it in the initial results as we do, where we uh, include the Google results and the quant results and all the other results that we have on there. It'll just be something that you'll have to switch. So it looks like there's coming a resolution. I don't know if I'm like 100% like, you know, like into it, whatever this or that. So I'm kind of like thinking about it. But as of right now, it could be better than having like that red air signal blasted across the top of my search engine that's as you know, uh, we were denied access to DuckDuckGo. Uh, however, if you are using it, do you do realize that like that red error at the top is only about DuckDuckGo. So all the other search engines are providing the many, many, many searches, uh, uh, you know, search results that you're that you're getting and are being aggregated for you through the search engine uh, as we work on that. So. So anyway, so that's a cool thing. And once that DuckDuckGo issue is completely resolved, then there is no reason why we can't have MetaHedge NFTs that would provide you access to that ad-free 
tracking-free search service that provides specialized searches, uh, including metaverse, very targeted metaverse searches, and not only that, but targeted searches in any field that you're at, from IT, science, law enforcement, anything of the sort. So, right? So, I mean, uh, one of the things that will be coming to that is NFT verification. So, uh, you'll have to hold uh, uh, MetaHedge NFT, of which a handful of you guys out there uh, actually hold that MetaHedge NFT. It's the Smokey Joe NFT that was sent out, uh, and it becomes a MetaHedge verification tool for uh, the metaverse. Um, and that handful of you guys consider yourselves very lucky. Do you see this is something that you purchased? Uh, well, yeah, you purchased a long time ago, and uh, now it's going to come to fruition because you'll actually be able to use not only MetaSearch, but many of the services that will come along with MetaSearch that will keep you anonymous, help you control your data so that you stay in control of your data rather than selling your data constantly off for stupid services like Gmail and for Google Maps and whatever and stuff like that. You sell off your soul and all of like your information to Google to do whatever you want. Now you'll be able to sell your data back and be like, hey man, I'm uh, only going to offer this amount of data or whatever. And you'll be able to do that. And that, that uh, when you do sell your data off in the future, guess where the funds become accrued? If you're a smart person, you probably guessed it, and you're probably one of those handful of NFT holders that we have for the uh, Smokey Joe NFT, but yeah, you guessed it. When In the future, when you sell your data off and accrue your data in cryptocurrency, it'll be collected on that NFT that you have there, and that's how you'll be able to spend it. So that NFT will be linked to your MetaHedge wallet, and anything that you earn by watching ads, by providing location information... By using an email server that, you know, pays you to send email because it has like an ad encased in it or whatever, rather than them tracking who and what you're sending to or whatever. Uh, Anytime that you do any of that kind of stuff, then you will get paid. You will get paid for using that service and it'll that money will go to your NFT and your NFT will gain in value. And in essence, it will become your net worth on the Internet. That's what we're working on. And that's the future, baby, in MetaHedge. But uh, as of right now, between now and like that very far future, which we're working on to, which is ruling the world, um, before we rule the world, we have uh, very uh, common things to do. And that's launching some of our platforms and et cetera, which we are getting ready to launch right now. So many of you have heard of the Only Legends platform. Uh, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that in uh, extensive, well, I didn't want to talk a little bit about that. I wanted to talk a lot about that today. So I'm going to cover the Only Legends platform, what it is. So first of all, uh, many of you have heard like of these partnerships and all this kind of stuff or whatever as we've gone through because we posted and a lot of this stuff is vague. Uh, mostly not because we're trying to be vague or anything, but just because when you do a post, it's limited to a certain amount of characters and generally not a lot of information uh, gets handed out through there. So. So my goal is to bring you uh, completely abreast of what it really is. So when we talk of a partnership uh, between MetaHedge and Truly Grand Sports, which is a company uh, that's on the other side of this, uh, what MetaHedge has done is we've developed all of the technology. So all of the technology for the Only Legends platform has been developed by us, and that's both the back end and the front end and the NFT and the blockchain and everything that goes along with it, their token uh, that goes along with it, everything uh, is MetaHedge created. So that's that's the first thing that that we've done. Okay, and the reason that we took an interest in doing this is because this company, Truly Grand Sports, uh, they're a promotion company uh, to a great degree, but I consider them like a lot more, and they definitely are a lot more than that. But they're somebody, uh, they're a company that's already well uh, entrenched in the world 
of both collegiate and professional sports. Uh, professional sports, what I've seen on their behalf and that kind of stuff is mostly uh, related to combat sports. Uh, there's also been a lot of like football, soccer, you know, uh, mentions as well as uh, many partnerships with what we would consider YouTube stars, right? Or social media influencers, uh, many of which if I named some of them, you would know who they are. Uh, others are just really popular people that even I don't know who they are, but oh well, they're people that are on the internet. So uh, that's that. You can't keep up with, with everybody. So with that being said, the the power in the in the partnership here comes from the fact that since we created the technology well a lot of like the maintenance fees to keep all of this technology up and running uh definitely becomes income for the company as well as percentages of uh you know everything that's sold through the company through the site and the platform and all of that kind of stuff because it ultimately gets managed by our software so what does the software do and why is it so exciting? Okay, well, what they've done is that they have secured the name, image, and likeness representation for college athletes. And that ranges in football, soccer, baseball, hockey, all the sports, okay, across the board. Not only that, but their expansion is into high school sports as well. And then what you can actually do if you are a user of the platform is let's say that you're a really talented athlete, but you don't have a lot of money. Okay. What you can do is you can set yourself up a name, image, and likeness representation package, much like uh, Reebok or Nike would do when you become famous, right? When you become famous, they come to you and they're like, hey, we want you to put your name on these tennis shoes and we're going to pay you X in the form of a royalty just for saying that, you know, that the tennis shoes are yours and, you know, you wear the tennis shoes and this and that, but you don't actually have to go to China and make the tennis shoes yourself. You know, we'll make them for you. So, uh, so with that being said, uh, Only Legend sets up these kinds of, of deals with these with these college players okay and then what the player can do is not only can they sell gear like for example a jersey in their college colors with their number on the back and their name on it and etc um, but they can also uh, sell their likeness just like their nft you know, let's say that we had an athlete that name that athlete's name was John Smith, and he was a, a wide receiver for the University of Michigan. OK, so we have John Smith's NFT. He can list that on his on the platform and other people can purchase that NFT. When they purchase that NFT, that NFT goes to support that athlete in their schooling, in their education, in their programs for their sports, in their uh, food for, you know, while they're at college, in general living expenses. It goes to support them in many ways uh, through the program. So that's the purpose of like the NFT. But let me tell you something that you can do with that NFT and why you can see that this is going to be something very, very exciting. When you buy that NFT, you didn't just support that athlete. You now, uh, when you purchased the John Smith NFT, you now have a wide receiver on a team that you have just begun to build. That was your first purchase, John Smith, wide receiver. And you now have, for all intents and purposes, his NFT. But his NFT falls into a portfolio. And that portfolio is a portfolio that you go building as as what you are now known as a scout. You are you have a scout account within the platform. OK. And the idea is that, well, if you have a wide receiver, you can look through other colleges around the nation and be like, well, I'm going to pair this wide receiver off with this quarterback from LSU. So I'm going to have the quarterback from LSU throwing to the wide receiver from the University of Michigan. And you're going to set yourself up a team 
like that. You'll get your kicker out of the University of Miami and all, etc. And you'll draft your own fantasy, you know, college. You'll, you'll draft your own fantasy sports team. And then what you can do is you can play your fantasy sports team against NFL teams. And if you play your your co- so you can draft your NFL team, you can draft your college team, and you can be like, okay, this Sunday, my team is gonna play the Detroit Lions, and you play your team against the Lions. And if your team beats the Lions, then next week you get to play against another NFL team or etc. And you do that until you get to a Super Bowl, and then you'll play a Super Bowl. And all of that is for prizes. And along the way. So you can decide whether you want to enter that fantasy sports uh, thing with your players. When you enter on the weekly or whatever, you could say you could play, you could play the dollar leagues or you could play the three dollar leagues. There's some free leagues that are for prizes and etc. But there's also leagues that are for a hundred dollars and etc. And anytime any of those leagues play, the prizes, of course, are exponentially bigger uh, and more enticing. And um, and Meta Hedge makes a makes a rake off of every single one of those. So off of every single one of those fantasy sports matches. Now think of the potential of this. Like if you have every college player in the nation. Okay, so let's just do football. If you have every college player in the nation signed up on your platform, okay, and they're all selling their name, image, and likeness representations to people that are using them to build fantasy sports teams that they can then play against NFL teams for prizes and for money, that becomes a pretty big racket, you know? I mean, it becomes an enormous, uh, an enormous uh, field to 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 just to to make funds from. Now, if you add to that the fact that there will also be, and to the exact magnitude, every college player will be on there too. Every baseball player will be doing the same thing. You know, add hockey to that as we scale and basketball. Now you could start to see like the real potential. And if you start building fantasy sports teams of all of these, and not only that, but then we can have house, we can have house contests that are set up by the house as well. And while we have you there, we have secured the ability to do sportsbook. So uh, through another uh, licensing agreement. So through another licensing agreement, uh, we've been able to, we can actually do sports book. So you can, while you're doing your fantasy sports uh, and watching, you know, how all of that pans out and et cetera, you will also be able to go there and you will be able to set up at our affiliate. It'll be basically like an, an affiliate site. Uh, you'll be able to place bets on anything else that you want to place bets on. And MetaHedge will be making a cut of all of those as well. So as you see, when all of this you know starts to scale and you think of like the magnitude of, of just this one platform alone, what it can actually generate, even if it were just scaled down to a couple of sports, it would be enormous in itself. And the fact that it's for all sports uh, as you go through and it's tied into not only that, but then, uh, okay, so that's how it works on the college side, right? But then there's a whole high school division to all of this, which is for players that are trying to make money to pay for, you know, obviously all of like their secondary training and uh, and programs to enhance their skills and, and all of that kind of stuff as well, which those programs would be supported by, of course, parents and uh, all the nephews and the neighborhoods and all that kind of stuff that support like these younger, you know, athletes on their way to college uh, before they get to college, you know? So a lot of that uh, is as well. So schools, high schools can use the exact same platform that's running the exact same college thing. Then they can actually have the exact same thing going, but on a smaller scale for their booster clubs at the schools. Hey, this is our, uh, you know, uh, the West, uh, I don't know, West Connecticut 
Tigers, you know, high school or whatever. That school has a wide receiver, and his name is Evan Smith. And, well, Evan Smith has an NFT there, and people can scout and go through, and if they read Evan's biography, and it's good, and Evan has connected well with social media, and they like the kid or whatever, this or that, well, they can purchase his NFT and put him on the team. And then when they have him on, on that fantasy team or whatever, or in their roster, they can support the kid. Now, with the college teams, uh, with, the, with the high schools, we're actually doing something different with the fantasy teams. They don't play the NFL, obviously, uh, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but we are doing something that's more, I would say, more even more intriguing with, with high school sports in that you begin drafting teams that eventually uh, you'll see what players are going to go to uh, colleges uh, and that kind of stuff. So anyways, with that being said, though, you know that once kids have like their own jerseys and tennis shoes and all of that kind of stuff to raise funds for them for programs and and et cetera, then you know that their families are going to support you know, they're going to support their packages and the packages will make money and the platform will make money off of those. So anyways, it becomes like a, like a, a multifold, uh, I, I, I guess I should say, uh, how could I say it? Uh, a revenue producing, a multifold revenue producing platform for MetaHedge and everybody involved. I mean, there's money that comes in from the sportsbook side. There's obviously money that comes in from all the sales of like the items and stuff like that, that we don't deal with or anything of the sort. It's all drop shipped items and it's there, but there's all of uh, that. There's the NFT sales and management. There's going to be memorabilia sales and management for like each of these, uh, you know, each every time that like these college athletes as they're playing, they'll need to catalog, catalog their their stuff. NFT verifications. We've been talking about this forever. It's something that we do. So we'll have pieces of that. Then add ad space on the site for affiliate partners and all kinds of stuff that will you know, be able to do that and referral programs and all kinds of junk, man. If you really think of like all the possibilities, it's really staggering. So the cool thing is this, it's built, it's done, it's being tested. Okay. Sooner than later, we're going to know if the whole thing works, if everything does, and we all make a lot of money on it. Okay. And then based on that, just on that information alone, just with that platform, not to mention that there's five other platforms that are very similar to what we're launching in different other niches. Uh, but anyways, this is something that's already on the books. It's getting ready. It'll be launched. There'll be a party, I imagine, and all kinds of stuff uh, when this is done very soon. And it's coming. Okay, we're going to be able to gauge a lot of things by what this platform does. Okay. So in addition to all the other exciting stuff, this is something that we're going to be able to add when we go off and become, you know, on the decentralized exchange and just offer our ICO out. We'll be able to say, hey, this is part of what we're doing and this part generates a ton of income. And hopefully by then we'll also have a couple of other things that generate tons of income and We'll have the community, which is getting strong because you guys are making the effort to grow the community. So what I want you guys to do uh, right now, which is like an effort of like me posting a lot of like the bots moves and stuff like that over the weekend has been, I mean, over like the last few weeks has been to try to get a little bit more growth in our community just by people following and stuff to see like what's going on. And we have sparked a lot of interest in like, Hey, what's going on with that company? And what are some of like the cool things that are happening there? Uh, so with that being said, uh, what we would like you to do is please just share the information, share information with everybody, share, share, share the podcast, share, uh, you know, links to MetaHedge, uh, share information with your friends, share tokens. If you want to send tokens to friends because it'll get like in or whatever, talk to me because like right now, really, there's a bunch of people that look like we're going to have to close out, like we're giving expend, extending it another co couple of weeks. But then after that, I mean, I can't hold off. Guys, I just want to get to the point where we're on exchange 
and like everybody's making tons of money off of this thing, you know? So right now there's really, in essence, some partners that are kind of holding us back a little bit, but we can get above and beyond those guys by just not needing them anymore. And if we don't need them anymore, the, by because we grew the community with active members of the community and people that are interested in like the project and what's going on and they want to take things and go to the moon and they want to do something fun, then we can build a community of, of that as well, you know, uh, where we all learn a lot about cryptocurrency in general and we have our project and we have our things and we have our white paper and everything that we've been involved in over the over the year together and that kind of stuff and we can continue to move that in the right direction you know and we can just kind of leave the stale people you know behind and as we continue to grow and then if they catch up to us okay they caught up to us but we can't we can't try to drag people along with us that aren't that just aren't going to be there okay so just right now the best thing that you could do is share share the information share share like everything that you can share i really really appreciate it okay i'm not trying to just grow the podcast to hear myself talk i'm really trying to grow the podcast so that other people get to see what we're doing they learn about our project to see that it's cool it's a great entry-level project with a lot of support and a lot of like actual education that goes along with it as we go along so uh and we're in the stage where people can still you know kind of like tag along and 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 do something with it so let's uh go along there all right guys i uh did not it's been 29 minutes and i've been talking about nothing but but meta hedge okay uh right now so i didn't get a chance to cover the altcoin from the crypt this week uh but i am going to tell you in the next two minutes a little bit about it and what i wanted to talk about and i will talk about in the next podcast is going to be uh arbitrum Okay, now Arbitrum is not a coin in itself. Okay, it's uh, it's a layer two blockchain. All right, and uh, basically it kicked Ethereum's ass this weekend, which is why I wanted to talk about it. They did about a hundred thousand more transactions than Ethereum this weekend alone, uh, and it's mostly because. Arbitrum is starting to become a really interesting project. And there are a couple of ways that we can go long on Arbitrum. So I want to speak about those. And those are through GMX and DPX. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so basically, I'm just going to give you in a nutshell real quick. Arbitrum uh, is, uh, is a blockchain and it just had this thing called the Nitro upgrade, which has led to a bunch of increased activity uh, on their Ethereum layer 2 solution, which is what they are. Now, Arbitrum doesn't have its own token yet, okay, but two of its native protocols are going to serve as a substitute for traders looking to get in on Arbitrum right now. GMX is basically a decentralized uh, futures exchange. So you can go there and, you know, invest in the GMX has their own token. So you can get GMX token through them. And then Dopex, okay, which I love the name, but Dopex is a decentralized options exchange. So one's a futures exchange, the other one's an options exchange. They have to do with Arbitrum, okay, their governance tokens uh, of these uh, GMX. DMX and uh, and DMX, uh, right, is what I said, or DPX, DPX. GMX and DPX are the governance tokens of both of these protocols, okay, and they accrue fees. Uh, so if you want to go long on the Arbitrum process, then you're going to have to get familiar with GMX and DOPEX. And I will cover GMX and DOPEX during the next podcast when we do altcoins from the crypt. But for now, consider them introduced. All right. Uh, and until we talk again, currently Bitcoin is at 23,200 as I finish the podcast, which means that it's on its way to that 22,800. So get ready to uh, put a little bit of money in, okay, if you've got some dollar cost averaging stuff. And uh, we're riding this down to 21,800 and there could be a reversal at any time, which is why we're doing that, okay? Guys, so if you don't do anything between now and the next time that we meet, just what? Buy the freaking dip! This has been Tales from the Cryptocurrency. Our passion is to teach everyone from teens to boomers about NFTs, cryptocurrencies, 
how to invest, and how to stay safe. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to smash the like button and leave a review. Even bad reviews help, so please do it. For questions or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit MyMetaHedge.com or send an email to CryptoKeeper, the number 2, the letter U, at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group at Tales from the Cryptocurrency. And join Cryptony Airdrops on Stockforge by using the promo code Cryptony and try it free for 30 days. See you next time on Tales from the Cryptocurrency.